Hey everybody, this is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, and wouldn't you know it, it's your host, Casey McLean. Uh, I am, I presently have more free time than I expected to have. I did a contest, the Seattle International Comedy Competition, and I'll tell you this, uh, I looked at the list of comics from my week, and there were a lot of comics that I respected. And I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I assumed this time around, I'm a better comic than the last time I did the contest. I assumed this time around I'd have an easier shot at advancing to the semifinals. And, I mean, I I had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Similarly to the last time I did the the contest, I have a new child at home. I was sick the whole week, which I, I actually did not make a big thing about because... I didn't want to raise anyone's hackles uh, about my, I don't, you know, I did not have COVID. I have two young children at home, but I had the sniffles. I had uh, a lot of snot coming out of my nose and I, and I didn't want to raise anyone's hackles, but I also didn't want to drop out of the competition because I had a fucking little tiny cold, not an excuse. Really. I was, I was tired. This is, uh, probably the last time I'm going to do this competition, not because not like out of anger or anything like that. It's just as you start to progress in comedy, you're like, you know, the, the payout for the competition, if you win is $5,000. And so that means that if let's say everybody had even odds of winning, and I'll tell you this, by the way, there has not been a local champion, a local contest winner, since 2004 when uh Gabriel Rutledge won my friend Gabriel Rutledge and maybe there will be this year I will say that uh which we'll talk about in a second I thought I had a better shot I go in sick tired you stop doing these contests as you get further in because I ended up giving up a decent amount of work to do this contest, which is why it's a little bit disappointing is I gave up a a decent amount of work to win zero dollars. And so, yeah, I mean, that's like next November. I'm not going to want to make potentially zero dollars with the maximum payout being $5,000. But I looked at this list of comics and went, there's some good comics on this list. Like five comics advanced from my round. And I was like, there are five good comics. And I don't even know the people necessarily who come from out of town. The last time I did it, there were some fucking duds, (laughs) you know, like I'll be completely honest. There were some duds, but there were also people from out of town. I think there were more people from out of town. One, but two, there were people from out of town that like literally were, like one lady did Colbert a couple weeks later. Another lady's been in JFL. She's enormous. One of the dudes is like, you know, like there were people who were on the verge of or already becoming very successful comics. <clears throat> Maybe I don't know everything about what's going on with this group. <clears throat> uh, I didn't, you know, I was not, I didn't make myself privy to all their careers, but I think that this round of this contest featured better local comics and worse out of town comics. If that's 
not not even worse. I liked a lot of their material, but like less accomplished out of town comics. But I will say one thing that is more and more prevalent, I believe, as the contest goes on, is the judges are local comics. So I don't know. There's like interpolitical bullshit. Here's what I'll tell you. There's no set that I can point to where I was like, I fucking murdered the entire set. You got between five and seven minutes. I got a bunch of jokes that are like kind of parts. Of, I like, I'm, this is like a very, very pretentious shitty thing, but I like to write jokes that build to something. And it's kind of hard to take one of those jokes and go like, well, I'm just going to do six minutes worth of that joke when it, I like theoretically they should all dismount on a big punchline. And so I basically cobbled together some jokes that I thought might do well in a competition. The first night did not, I had a good set. Everyone had good sets scored. Everyone scored really high. I was like, I got scored. I want to say like, like 13th or 12th place, which I do not agree with. I'll say that, but I was one point behind first place basically. And then it was like very clumped up. So it was like, Everybody was pretty close after the first night. Second night, I actually uh, placed fourth. and But my score, the score was like not that great. The score was... And so the third night, out of uh, frustration with kind of doing material that I'm not super passionate about and the results that I'd been getting, which again, like... The first night, everybody has very good sets. Everybody gets pretty good scores. I could debate about the quality of my score, but it's like splitting hairs. Second night, I place, which means I'm in top five, which, you know, means that like going into the third night, I'm like right at the fringe of advancing in this competition. But it's also like starts to raise some alarm bells for me because I'm like, I don't want to take sixth. That's what I don't want to do in this competition is I don't want to take sixth. Uh, and so the third night I went to North Bend theater and I did dark jokes that I believe in and the crowd liked them. And, uh, I never thought these jokes would do well in competition because they're dark. And if you don't have the appropriate build to them, they can be like a little bit jarring, and I thought that they would, I would do these jokes and they would do well with the crowd and do bad with the judges potentially. And I was right. Uh, good. Like the, the line I would say with the harshest, with the most divisive reaction did pretty well. And the judges scored me really low. And, uh, you know, you do, you go down swinging and then I was in a position where you, you have the opportunity to drop one score. And I did the, the final night and it was fine. It was, uh, it was not, again, had I, it's not as though I went to every show and absolutely murdered and like got denied, got cheated. People had very good sets. I will say there was, there were very few, like, of 16 people, 
four shows, 64 sets. I think there were less than 10 bombs the whole time. Even I would argue, like, I, I'm aware of the person and the set that got the lowest score of the weekend, and I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. That was like, the the the, the judges are different every time. The scoring system is the same, but people how people interpret it is different. The first night, I think the lowest, it's out of a... Uh, <clears throat> it's basically out of 11 points. Um, technically it's out of 10 and then you can get this bonus point, but I think literally the entire, uh, I think the entire competition first round, I think every single person got the bonus point. So it's like a crowd reaction point. Maybe not, <clears throat> maybe not, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, the, oh, so the, like the first night, I think that the the highest score is eleven. The highest score is always eleven. They, they like graded on a curve, so that person gets bumped to eleven. And then, I think the lowest score was like nine point five, something like that. And the last night, the highest score was eleven, and the lowest score was like seven point three, which is one of the worst scores I've seen in this competition. And the comic that got that score is very funny. So it's all like subjective bullshit, whatever. There were people in this competition who are professional comedians who did not advance. I put myself in that category. But it is embarrassing and ego-jarring to go to one of these competitions and just not advance. And some of it is, I think that most of the material I've been writing is not very competition-friendly. And it's possible... That some of the reason is that I was not as good. I'm not as good of a comic as I thought I was going into this competition. I do think like there's good comics in this competition, and this whole period of time post COVID has really like it's done a weird uh, kind of redistribution of talent. I think to to cities like Seattle, where some of these folks, I mean, literally some of the people who were in this competition, the last time I did it, they lived in Los Angeles or were planning on moving to New York and either never did or moved back. So it's, it's an interesting, uh, whatever is, is it interesting? I'm saying it's interesting. It's barely interesting to me. It's probably not interesting to you at all. So anyways, I got a bunch of shit. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, spend November soul searching, trying to decide if I want to continue to do comedy. My life has been brutalized by this contest. No, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but I, I will, uh, I will be spending November doing, I, I think I'm just going to do a shitload of open mics, which is maybe the healthiest reaction to losing a competition like this that I could have ever had. Um, I'm not even going to reach out for like, I'll take booked and paid shows, but I, I have some like new material that I really, what I've been doing for basically the last couple of years is not doing a lot of open mics and just working new material into long sets. And that's fine. I like that. I've developed a bunch of, ugh, I've developed a bunch of new material. I'm fine with that, but you know, I have a bunch of stuff that I was not able to work on at all. And then I have no real stretches with long sets. I have a, uh, I do have tomorrow, not tomorrow. Why would I say tomorrow? 
Dickerson's Brewhouse in Renton on Saturday. Susan Rice headlining. Jess Everett, my pal, former podcast guest, is featuring. And then we have a special guest that you'll have to show up to find out. Very funny comic that I've worked with in the past. Who just uh, happens to be going through town. So so come on out to that. Bickerson's Brewhouse. You got to call the brewery to get tickets, by the way. I've had some questions about that. So call the brewery. Get tickets. It sells out or comes very close to selling out, I think, every time. So, um, Also, they make it very easy on me. I appreciate it. They uh, We sell, I think it's like 38 tickets. And they sell them for 20 bucks a piece. They give, they give people who buy the tickets a, uh, a beer with the purchase of their ticket. This way, uh, I put in zero work. I put in zero financial investment. I come, I do, I bring a PA, I do new material. I get to give some of my friends and comedians I admire money. And, uh, the bar makes money too. It's a perfect arrangement. Now, could I survive off of 30 of these a month? No, but it's a perfect arrangement. I feel pressure to write new jokes every month. That's very good, by the way. By the way, I'm feeling a little fucking under the gun on that. Um, so come see what I come up with in the next couple days. But uh, also, I um, did I talk about Tulsa? I went to Tulsa. I worked with Chris Catan, which was exciting. I feel like I might have already talked about it, but now I'm a little bit worried. Did I? No, I don't think I did. I had fun. I went to a Tulsa football game. I worked with. So Chris Catan for me is not like. Um, I didn't grow up with SNL. I don't know why. My family had cable, but. Saturday Night Live was not on cable. My parents didn't watch it. But why did they not watch it? I think, oh, it's probably part of the reason is my mom was asleep at 8.30 or 9 every night. And my dad watched uh, Fox News all day or all night. So that's probably part of it. Uh, neither of those things are really conducive to watching SNL. I played sports, so a lot of times I was in bed early to go, you know, play soccer, baseball, uh, Sunday morning. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, so anyways, Chris Catan, my wife's family loved SNL, big SNL people. I think it's possible that her parents were more excited for me to open for Chris Catan than I was. And it was also my first time at the uh, Tulsa Comedy Club, Tulsa, uh, Bricktown Comedy Club, Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was very cool. Very, very beautiful club. If you live in Tulsa, by the way, and you're listening to this, you have one of the nicest clubs in the country uh, at the ready for you. And they're going to keep bringing incredible acts. So keep supporting them. Eventually, I'll probably come out there and headline a Thursday or a Sunday. So keep an eye out for that, folks. A handful of people, I think, have, have tuned into this from there. So... Thank you all who have, uh, who've become listeners. If you were one of those people. All right. Uh, the, but the big thing in my life that happened is my wife, I'm not doing the Borat voice. I'm not going to do it. How do you feel about the Borat voice? By the way, I'm not, uh, I would say I'm not quite agnostic. I'm against it would be my, my general, but I'm like not passionately mad when I hear someone do the Borat impression. 
My wife, her maternity leave came to an end. Her first day was was Monday. She was back at work. And then immediately got got uh she was in a had a long Tuesday. So um it's it's I wouldn't even say it's bittersweet because when you're a parent and when you're you live with a partner, a wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, each one of those things just chips away at the time you have to have fully autonomous time to yourself. The nice thing about going on the road and doing comedy is you have that time, but then I filled most of that time with work or I went to a football game with the host or I was talking to my family. Being at home, nobody's here. Nobody has expectations of me is so liberating. You come down, you make a burrito, you eat lunch, you lay on the couch, it's noon, you're watching TV, you know, like it's, it's nice. My youngest is in daycare. My oldest is also in daycare. And you just like, your whole life is devoted to these people. When they like, you know, when they fucking live with you, it makes me, it makes me kind of understand. I did a podcast with Chris Ballou from the presidents of the United States of America. And he's also, uh, he is Casper baby pants who is a child singer, child song singer. He, uh, he and I did a podcast in like February or March of 2020 that I never released, which maybe I don't even have the audio for anymore. That'd be kind of interesting if I, if I can track it down. I know I've talked about it on here before, but he was talking about how his, him and his wife got divorced and it actually gave him a healthy balance of the the weeks that he didn't have his kids, he could just go absolutely crazy, go on the road, devote 100% of his time to music. And then the weeks that he was home, not on the road, spending time with his kids, he could devote 100% of his time to his kids. And I'm not t- I'm not here to advocate for divorce. I'm not here to announce anything about my life. What I am here to say though is Having that uninterrupted time to accomplish what you want and need to accomplish is unbeatable. It feels so good. Sure, do did I miss my family while I was in Tulsa? Sure. Did it feel nice to be able to put headphones in work on audio, video, etc., and not have to worry about one of my daughters accidentally cutting their own arm off. Yes, it felt great. And so I'm, I'm kind of back in that, uh, in that mode. I have a, I have a day job again, by the way, I think, which, uh, which we've 
has been documented. Me being unemployed has been documented on this, this podcast and, and, uh, I'm happy to have a day job. I will say I got, I got that first paycheck at the day job and, uh, you kind of, as a, an aspiring full-time comic getting the new day job is a little sad. You got, I mean, that's gotta be understandable, right? Like for six months, I got to kind of cosplay what it would be like to be a full-time comic. And when it didn't happen, when it, you know, when I had to get another job or the opportunity came around that a new job came around. Yes, of course it's great because I could start putting money in my savings account again. And, um, you know, we could probably make home renovations and shit like that. Like it is good for all that stuff, but there's a little party of that's sad that in those six months I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to make myself pop to not need that day job. And it's nothing about the day job. I like the day job. I like the people. I like the work. I like it all. But as an aspiring comic, that was a little bit sad, but now to have, to have these people out of my house, to be able to, right now, I'm recording this podcast, it's 2.30 p.m., to be able to do that and not go like, all right, but I'll be down in 45 minutes. I'll be down there, don't worry. To not have to negotiate. I got like this, a stretch of just autonomy that I'm just not used to. Even like, I would stay up with my my youngest till 2 in the morning, but that's, you gotta be present because this kid could choke herself to death or something. I don't know. The cat could jump on her. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. You got to be there. That's the job. I would say that's the real day job. Being a parent is the real day job. I don't know if that's true. Um, Do I have anything else to say? I don't know. Hold on. I just, I just unplugged my headphones. And if there's any, if there's anything to feed a narcissist's ego, it's hearing their own voice. So I can't do this podcast. I have other cool stuff to announce coming up, by the way, working on some, uh, some details and some specifics, but very, 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 very cool stuff to, to hint at it. I tried to record something in at the end of 2022 and I got like good shows and all that, but I, I, uh, wasn't fully happy with the recording. And also I recorded, you know, the moment you record the jokes, you immediately start getting better punchlines, which is pretty annoying. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I, um, I may be rectifying that is all I'm saying. Um, anyway, Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast. I know it's been it's been choppy. I'm working on figuring out a way to do more podcasts. One of those things is getting these motherfuckers out of my house. And I did it. They're gone. The kids are at daycare. The wife is at work. We're back, baby. I'll get my dog up here eventually, and then we'll we'll really be back. Um Thank you for listening to to this podcast. Come see me, Bickerson's Brew House on the 16th. Uh, man, I had a gig get canceled. My November is so light. It's so goddamn light. Oh man, is it light? Uh, <laughs> it's so funny because you go in with this absolute cockiness, clear the calendar. I mean, I took a couple gigs, but it was like, you know, with the understanding that I might have to cancel them, clear the calendar. I won't need it. And then you're fucking sitting in your 
you know, upstairs office recording a podcast, bitching about comedy judges. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. The Casey McLean on Twitter, uh, Casey McLean comedy everywhere else. Find me on YouTube. Find me on uh, whatever. I love you. Bye.